Amen. We'll turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We're going to um, read, well, I'm only going to get through 9 through 13, but I think I'm going to be done with Romans chapter 12 uh, today, even though there's some more scriptures there. You can read them on, study them on your own. But um, if we've been on the series on Romans throughout the last, last year, on and off, and uh, Romans starts out one, chapter 1 through chapter 8, Paul's talking about the grace of God. You are saved by faith in, in what Christ did at the cross. It's grace, you know, the grace of God that provided that for you. You had nothing to do with your salvation. You have nothing to do. In fact, really, in order to come to Christ, really, it means that you and I have to die. We have to die to ourselves, die to our own ability, that we are not able to do anything. Amen? It's all him. He did it all for us. Isn't that great? That's the good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I had nothing to do with it. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I couldn't do anything to get, get a hold of salvation. I, it's all through Jesus. And I receive it by faith. And that's the good, good news about that. So Paul took, takes eight chapters and he just dwells on that over and over and over again. Then in, in chapter uh, 9, 10, and 11, he talks about why the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, rejected this, rejected Jesus because of their religion. They couldn't get over that they have nothing to do with it. They couldn't get over that, that it's, it's not by works that you're saved. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. And so you have to understand that. And a lot of times what we don't get here is we don't get that. We don't understand that we have to give our life away to him and just trust in Jesus. And that we need him. We need every part of what God has for us. You've got to get that. You've got to understand that. That God's love is not determined by what you do or who you are. It's determined because of what Christ did. And he loves you perfectly because of that, through Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus did it all. Jesus is everything. Everybody say amen. amen. He is everything. And so here in Romans chapter 12, Paul basically kind of thinks, okay, what's next? What do we do now? And, uh, and in, verse chapter, in chapter 12, verse 9, let's read here. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. In love of the brother, be tenderly affectionate one to another. In honor, preferring one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, enduring in troubles, continuing steadfastly, be consistent, continuing steadfastly in prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now, these verses are probably one of the most relevant verses that you will ever come across. You know, we're all about relevancy here in America, and especially in American churches. We want to know how to have a good marriage. And we want the 10 points to, to have that happen. Or we want to know how to um, have good finances and uh, to be blessed and everything else. And yeah, of course, we see that in the Bible and see that taught. But these things right here, and the fact, the first one, let love be without hypocrisy, is probably one of the most relevant things you can do. And if you learn this and you get this, and if I walk in this daily, my love being without hypocrisy, I don't have to worry about my marriage because my marriage is going to be good. I don't have to worry about any relationships because it's going to be good. I don't have to worry about my money 
because it's going to be settled into these verses. So here, in these verses I just read, there are about 13 different behaviors that Paul tells us as Christians we should do. Now, you don't do these in your own strength. It's all about the grace of God, the enablement of God. You do this in the strength of Jesus, but he's laying it out. If you have been changed, if you have given your life to, to, to God, guess what? This is how you're going you're gonna to act. You're going to act like these things. So he says at the first one, which is the, the top one, and everything flows out of this, let love be without hypocrisy. Now the word love here is the word agape. Now agape in the Greek language is really the highest form of love. There's, there's four um, uh, words that describe love in the Greek language. You have agape, you have eros, which is a, more of a sexual love, and you have uh, philos, which is a brotherly love, you have storge, which is a, uh, which is a brotherly love or a family love. And you have these, these, these words. You know, in our English language, we have one word that describes love. What is it? Love. So you use this, I love my spouse and I love my kids, but I really love this Mr. Goodbar. Right? We're, we're so confused on our love, right? We don't really know what love is. And in this world, love is a real selfish thing, Right? In fact, Paul says, let love agape. Now, this word agape is the, is the type of love that God has. It's the God kind of love that he brings towards you and me. It's the love that says, I love you. That's all it says. It doesn't say, like, in our kind of love. Our kind of love that we drum up is, I love you, but do you really love me? I love you, and I'm waiting to get something back from you. It's a selfish love. So Paul uses a very strong love, and they don't use this much, especially when it's relating to us, but he's saying that we as believers, by the grace of God, should have a love that's like God. As a believer, you and I should love without hypocrisy. You know what that word hypocrisy means? It means that as as you're acting or using a script. It's not real. It's in your mind, but it's not in your heart. So love without hypocrisy means it's not really coming from here. It may be coming from here. I love you, but there's something else attached to it. It's a self-serving love. And Paul says, let you know, love without hypocrisy. That you and I need to come to a place of loving people um, with a pure love, a love that says, I love you, not seeking something else. And I'm telling you something, this is hard. This is not easy. It's not easy to love. Not this kind of way. In fact, you can't do it in and of yourself. There is no way humanly possible you can love somebody without hypocrisy. I can't do it. I've, I've been studying this for weeks. There is no way that we can love people without, without hypocrisy except by God. You know, Jesus says so important. He says, John 13, uh, 35, he says, by, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is such an important thing. It's, it's that we often, a lot of times, we skip it. We don't really get into it. And and, but we need to love without hypocrisy. We need to ex- be able to express our feelings from a heart, not from reading from a script. Genuine agape love is a love without selfishness. 
It's without a selfish agenda. Much of what we call love is is self-serving almost every single time. And we have to change that. And we have to get that because what? Not just only for us as the body of Christ, we need that for each other. But this world needs to see something greater than a love that's self-serving. You know, everybody has to deal with this. I mean, everybody. You have people getting to know you because they want something from you. You know, this even happens in my profession as a pastor. I see this all the time. I even have to deal with this. Is why do I love you? Is it to get something out of you? Is it to, to, to make budget? To stroke my ego? I have to look at that. Why am I loving people? Do I love people who don't come to my church? I mean, it's something that we all have to deal with. And see, you have to deal with the same thing. Do you love people who hate you? You know, this is going to be really, really good preaching. I want you to know that. We need this. I mean, it's not something that you signed up for. I didn't let you know. You could have read before. I told you where I was going. But you're getting something really good here. But it's, it's so needed in the body of Christ. Paul lists love first among these desired behaviors because out of love, everything flows out of this. Why do you do what you do? Why do you cook meals for your, your, your family? Is it them, to them to tell you how good it is? And if they don't tell you how good it is, you can cook your own meal. <laughs> All right? Amen? You can do it yourself then. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this. This is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, don't tell me you can do that of yourself. There is no way. This is a way of life that he's telling us to live. We're supposed to live a love, agape love, just what I just read about. A love without hypocrisy. Love is the most valuable thing than any other. It's more valuable than any spiritual gift. In fact, spiritual gifts without love is worthless. This type of love, love without hypocrisy, is something that God has called you and I to walk in. And how do we do that? And that's the question I've, I've been asking. God, how, how do I get that? Because I, I, I can see times in my life where maybe I have this, but there's times I don't have this. How do we do this? And, and, and he brought me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two. That meant that we have access to the throne of God. It's not access just to get something. It's access to become someone. God gave access to his throne. So we, as a people, as his people, have access to the model of love. God is love. His love is perfect. It can't get any better than God's love. And so the only way that we can be like this, and and I I don't want this to go in one ear and out the other because you've heard it before, is that we've got to be in the presence of God. 
The only way to love like Jesus is to be with Jesus. To model our life after Him. If He walks there, that's where I walk. If He says this, this is what I say. It's to be like Him. It's to walk in His presence. To be in His presence. If you're not in His presence, trust me, you are living a love that is selfish. 100% of the time. I can see it in my life. My family can see it in my life. When I'm in the presence of God and I'm coming out of the presence of God, I've been doing, doing, going into the presence of God, reading His Word, studying His Word, praying and seeking His face and just worshiping God for who He is, not what He can give me. I walk in love. Otherwise, I'm easily angered. Right? I'm selfish. We can't be that way. It's a transformation that God wants to do. And Paul says, this is so important. So you've got to get into the presence of God. You know, I know on a Sunday morning, we have different levels of spirituality. There are some that are going, are so on fire for God, they're going hardcore for the Lord. There's some that, you know, you've, got, you've gone hardcore, but you're kind of up and down. You know, we all have gone through these things. There's some of you, you're just beginning. Some of you, you don't know what in the heck I'm talking about. You just came to church, and you don't know why you're here, but i tell you what, God brought you here, and He has a plan for you today. Just to begin to something greater than what you've ever experienced. So I know we have different levels spiritually here, but I'm just telling you, step into the throne room of God. Put on some worship music. Or no music at all, just lift your own voice to heaven and sing your own song to the Lord. And watch God do some transformation in your life. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let us be known for love that is pure. Amen? Our love for each other, which Paul's going to be talking about more here, and our love for God, our love for this world. It's so important. And then he goes on. He continues this thought, okay? He goes on. He said, abhor that which is evil. You know, this word abhor, we don't use it a, a, a lot, but it's, it, it means to dislike. But it's really more, more it's even worse than that. It's, it's, it's to have horror of. So, so when you, you see evil, you hate it. It's to hate. That's, that's one of the things God tells you to do, is hate evil. So he wants you to, to not only love without hypocrisy, have a pure love, love that's not self-serving, that love that's patient and kind, and, and, but he also wants you to hate that is evil, and this is so important. Now, in this world, it's hard to do that. It's hard to hate what is evil because this world, this cosmos world, does not agree with the, with the Word of God. It does not agree with what is evil. It makes its own rules up. It's whatever it likes to do. So, so in this world, there, it, it wants you to agree with it. This prevailing culture wants you to agree with what it, what it says is true. Right? And so it's hard to, to say what is evil anymore, to, to abhor it, to hate it, but you've got to. And the only way you can do that is by being in the Word of God, is by being in prayer and being to have around people who are like you that can help you do that, that you can tell what is sin and say it's sin. Now, sin is not what a lot of times you think it is. A lot of times we think people are sin. People are not sin, they sin. Sin is missing the mark. You know, it's, 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 it is evil. Why is it sin evil? Is because it destroys people. So if you are 
to love without hypocrisy, then you're going to hate that is evil. And that means if your friend is doing something that is wrong or is sinning or has something wrong in them, you're going to go to them and you're going to confront them. Right? You're going to tell them what is evil. That is the best thing you can do. Is to go to them privately. Don't do it on Facebook. Don't do it on Instagram. Don't take a picture of them on Instagram and put it, hey, look what my friend's doing. It's evil. I hate it. You laugh at that. I've seen it before. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that which seems right to man, but it all ends in death. If we're to abhor or hate that which is evil, that means we're going to confront. That means we're going to hate what's evil and die. And that brings some, when you love without hypocrisy and you hate that which is evil, there's tension there. Because you've got to hate the sin, but you've got to love the sinner, right? You've got to really separate them too because that's not who they are. And when you love the sinner, it's a tough balancing act, but you've got you to hate what's going on, not because you're offended. And this is the problem with Christians today. You get offended too easily. And that's not love. Offense is not love. You know that. See, the way we confront is that I love you enough to throw my life down in front of you to tell you, hey, this is wrong, this is causing death in you, but I love you and I'm going to help walk you out of it. Not to condemn them, right? But to lift them up, to encourage them for something greater, for something better. See, sin destroys, evil destroys. You know, I I, I personally, I I think of sickness. Listen to me closely, because you could get this wrong. I consider sickness evil. I don't think any of you has said, praise God, I got a flu today. <laughs> right? I think sickness is evil. We, don't, we never saw sickness come until after the fall of man, after they sinned. Sickness causes death. I don't, I don't believe God's into sickness at all. I, 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 I don't think it's your, a lot of times your fault unless you're running around with your shoes off and your socks off into the snow. I mean, then that could be your fault. That's called stupid anyway but <laughs> but you know I, I believe sickness is evil I, I don't know I, I've I, I've seen people with cancer die it's evil cancer is evil now the person's not evil right no not at all person's a, a child of God son and daughter of God or could be if I abhor what is evil I'm going to lay hands on every sick person that I can. I'm going to pray for everyone. You know what? I can't hide my sickness. I can't hide what happened to me. I'm a, I'm a magnet for people to pray for me. You can ask my wife. You can, I get people praying for me in Walmart. I don't know these people. They, they touch me. I don't know them. <laughs> I, everywhere I go, a conference, I mean, I, you, you just can't hide anything. I mean, every one of us has got something wrong with us. I can't hide this at all. And so what happens is people pray for me all the time, and I love it. 
I just love it. I love people praying for me. And I don't know what that sound is, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I was gone. Good. Um, so the thing about it is, when people pray for me, guess what I feel? Love. They hate what I hate. And they're putting their agreement where, where I've put my agreement. I don't know these people. And yes, it, it interrupts my, my time. I'm, not, I'm going into Walmart to get some, some Twinkies. But I, I, yeah, they interrupt me. Because they hate this evil that has happened to me. Now, the person's not evil. And the person, you did, and if you're sick, you did not, nothing wrong. But God hates the sickness inside of you. Some people say, well, God can use it. Yeah, definitely. God will turn what was meant for harm into good. We see that in his word, but God didn't cause it. Evil caused it. Sin caused this. The devil. So it's so important that when we abhor what is evil, that if our love's going to be without hypocrisy, it, it takes action. That when I see people, I'm going to pray for them. If I see things going wrong in their life, I'm going to confront them but I'm going to love them through it. Amen? I got to get going. I, I'm not going to finish this. So, but cling. The next one he says, cling to what is good. You know that word cling means to glue together. You don't like my message, honey? <laughs> Let love be without hypocrisy. <laughs> Oh, God, please. I'm in trouble. Please pray for me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Someone wanted to take me out for lunch? <laughs> okay. Oh, God, I'm going to recover. Cling to what is good. Amen? Amen. Glue together. That's what it means. It means to, to glue together. And there's... There's, Paul is calling us not to let love be without hypocrisy, but, but hate evil, but to cling to what is good. That means it's inseparable from you, that you're a light. You're going to cling to those things, what is good. You're going to grab on to prayer. You're going to grab on to worship. You're going to grab on to the, to the Word of God. You're going to grab on to things that are good. And then he goes on. He says, in love of the brother, be tenderly affectionate one to another. So Paul shifts here. In the words love. He doesn't use agape love, but he uses the, the, the relationship love, the storge and, and the philos love, the, the, the family love and the brotherly love. And he calls us to love one another. He pulls out all the stops. Not just with only agape, but we are supposed to be a family. You know, you, can, you know your family. How many guys... You know the, the bad things in your family. How many guys, when you got married, you learned something new about your spouse? But you still loved them, right? Sometimes that's like years and years of learning. But See, in the family, we love the worst parts. And Paul's saying here, he says, let love be the foul hypocrisy of hate evil. This is how we are to behave. Cling to what is good. And in love of the brother, be tenderly affectionate to one another. Family love is so special. 
members of the healthy family. We know each other's faults, but we love each other anyway. Christians, you and I, believers, we're this. You know, we we have our our our, our blood relatives, our family, but we are a family. And then he goes in. And he says, "In honor, preferring one another." There's something about us coming together as a family and loving one another, being tender and affectionate with one another, to make it a safe place where we bring honor. See, let, let me tell you something. I, I know a lot of our Cornerstone family. I don't know everyone in here, but I do know most of you, and I see your faces, and I pray for you. I have names that we pray for all the time. But I know the majority of us, the ones I know, this is a safe place to tell people your sin, to pe- tell people your struggle, because we're supposed to, to love you without hypocrisy, We're supposed to hate the sin. And most likely, if you're a believer here, you hate your own sin, right? You don't want to do. Paul says, I don't know why I do the things I don't want to do. You hate your own sin. You cling to what is good. But in in, in our brothers, we love each other. This is a safe family, and we honor each other. It's so important. I don't believe the church has done this right in the past. They paraded people on stage to tell people their sin. That's wrong. I mean, if we're going to do it, let's do it. All of us parade on stage and tell people our sin. See, it should be a safe place. Every one of us are messed up. And if you think you're perfect, you just, you're, you're wrong. None of us are perfect in here. It is so important that we come to a place of, of, of honor and preferring and loving and having this family that we love each other no matter what. And if you're dealing with things, I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm not going to condemn you. I had a youth pastor call me one time and, and ask me what he should do. He was about, he, there was this girl, and she was, she's 16 years old, on his worship team that was a worship leader. And um, she had confessed that she had had sex with another guy outside of uh, marriage. And uh, she confessed that. And he says, Sean, I'm going to kick her off my team. And I says, why would you do that? Well, she sinned. I says, if you kick her off your team, you need to resign your position. He says, why? I said, because she sins, but so do you. And as a friend, I know your sin. Look at me. She didn't need to be kicked off. She was repentant. She repented. It wasn't that she was in rebellion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I want. She, didn't, she wasn't like that. She, she was repenting. She was sorrowful for her sin. She was sorrowful. And I says, if you kick her off, you need to resign. See, and the, but that's the way we've done it. We've made the family of, I'm going to kick you out of the family if you're not perfect. We're all of us who are not perfect. And listen, i tell you what, if he would have done it, he didn't do it. You know where that, that girl is a worship leader at another church and, and, and across the country here, but she's leading worship and she loves Jesus. But that's why so many Christians are hurt in church because we're not preferring one another and loving one another. Yeah, we're messed up, but we're walking towards 
being perfect in Jesus by the grace of God. And that's why Paul said, your righteousness are our filthy rags. It's good stuff, ain't it? But we, we, we have to make our family. That's why Jesus says they're going to know you. That you're my disciple. Because of how you love one another. Now I'm not saying we don't confront sin. We do. We confront sin in this church. Trust me. If I hear of something that you're doing, if I see it or you're advertising, you no, know, you don't hide sin well, by the way. Um, <laughs> social media and everything, I see it. But listen, if I feel like it's wrong, you're going to be confronted. I'm going to find someone, if I don't know you personally, I'm going to find someone who knows you in our staff. If no one knows you, I said, do you know this person? No. Do you know this? I don't know this person. If you don't know, you're going to have a call from me. And I'm going to bring you into my office. I'm going to say, there's something better for you. There's something greater. You don't have to do this. This is going to hurt you in the end. Trust me. We confront sin around here. But we love you enough to stay with it. We love you enough to know that there's something greater. And so Paul says, in honor, preferring one another. See, when love is absent, we want to outdo people. In fact, I believe in a lot of Christian circles, we want other people to sin because that gives us an opportunity to move up. But it's completely wrong. Paul calls us to a different kind of behavior, to honor other people, not to even outdo them. Some of you are so full of ambition that you're running over people, and you're hurting people. God calls us a different type of ambition. He calls us to to help others succeed, right? To help others be a success. In, in, In sports lingo, it's called an assist instead of making a goal. That you want... To help others succeed. Some people are just all about them. All about what they want to do. And they're complaining about no one, everybody else not doing anything. You know, we, we, have, we have... When churches start in our city, I love it. We need hundreds and hundreds of more churches, by the way. We need hundreds of, of other churches to start. We don't... You say, well, there's a church on every corner. We need more. The, the population growth we are not keeping up with in, as, as, as in Christianity in America. We need... I believe there's going to be a revival. We need to start hundreds of other churches, and we're going to be doing that ourselves. But when other churches start, I call the, I'll call the person who's starting the church, and, I, and we want to bless them. We bought, we've bought, start, brought starting churches in here into our services, and we've even let them stand up. And I've told people, listen, if you're called to go to that church, you need to go. We're all about the kingdom here. We've got to prefer one another. We're not the only church in town. We're not the only church that God's going to move through. We want to bless other people. Listen, listen, the churches, other churches succeed is God's success, Right? And we need to pray for that, amen? We need to believe God for that. We love other churches. I mean, we've given money to other churches when we could have sent the money, you know, buying carpet. We've helped other churches get into buildings. And we've given tens of thousands away. And where we have dirty carpet. We love people. 
We got you got to do that, and that's what God wants you to do. Even maybe you could be even in your own company that you work for. Maybe you're up for a position, but there's someone else up for that position. Maybe love, and I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm not saying this is God all the time. But maybe sometimes love would say, I'm going to help this person get that position in me. Woo, that would, that's, that's a big deal right there, right? Honor other people. Honor other people. You know one way you can honor people is encouragement. It's to encourage them. Honor people. I was at a, a business leadership meeting one time, and, and companies are starting to implement this more and more, hopefully. They're saying that you'll get better outcome out of your staff, get better production out of your staff, if you use a 10 to 1 ratio. That means you'll encourage them 10 times to the one time you criticize, the one time you confront. You'll encourage them 10 times. 10 to 1 ratio, praise to criticism. 10 praises for each one criticized. You know why, why they say that? They say it gives them vision of who they can be. Did you know encouraging somebody gives them the vision of what God's bringing them to? And that's how you honor one another. Now I got to get moving on real quickly. Then he goes on, Paul says, not lagging in diligence. That means that you're, you're he's, he's moving on here. He's saying not lagging in diligence. He says that means you're not going to be lazy. You're not going to be slothful. You're going to realize that this is a mission of God, what we're talking about here. Loving without hypocrisy. Uh, uh, abhorring, hating evil. Abhorring what is evil. Clinging to what is good. Honor and loving your brother and sister. Making it a family. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent. That means burning, boiling over in spirit. Serving the Lord. This is how you serve the Lord. Is this way. Is serving the Lord by doing those things. And then he says this. Rejoicing in hope. I love that part. That's all I'm going to get to today. But I want to end with this part. Rejoicing in hope. Because this is where it's bringing us to. When we create an atmosphere that's love without hypocrisy. And we have people that hate evil. That abhor that which is evil. That cling to what is good. That in, in, in our brothers we love them with tender and affection. That we honor preferring them above ourselves. That we're not going to lack in diligence in these things. That we're going to be not lazy. We're going to be diligent. That we see this as a mission of God. That we're going to be fervent. Burning for the Lord and serving the Lord. Then we're going to see rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope is one of the most powerful things you can understand in, in the Bible. Both joy and hope are frequent themes in the New Testament. Hope is found in the very nature of God. If you know God, you're going to have hope. People say, I have nothing to hope for. If you know God, God is a God of hope. You cannot help but being around God and getting hope. No matter what your situation is, you run to God. He's going to point you to something greater in the future. There's going to be hope. And I love this. And it all comes back to the church. And what, what Paul is really understanding, he knows what Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12 says. Listen to this. Zechariah 9, 12 says, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I want you to understand that because just reading that kind of, yeah, just whatever. But, but this is what this means. The word fortress 
is a place of safety. It's like a palace, a castle. Where, but it's where people are. It's where your people are. See, Paul's telling us to love without hypocrisy, to abhor and hate what is evil, to cling to what is good, to in, brother, in our brothers, we love them with tender and affection, to honor them. He's doing this. This is why love is so important. So we can become agents of hope. So when I come together with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether it's in a church service, or it's in a home, or it's at a coffee shop, or it's somewhere else, it doesn't have to be in a service, but somewhere with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm going to be increased. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to to have a, a, a people that's a fortress around me that I'm going to gain hope. See, when genuine love is exchanged with other believers, hope is going to be there. See, this is what hope does. Hope is an avenue where people can encounter God. Let me say that again. Hope is an avenue where people can encounter God. Oh, how I pray that people that come into Cornerstone whether it's on a service or they're connected with you somewhere. That you're an agent of hope. You are a dealer of hope. Amen? That they encounter God. See, this is the whole point of Paul. Going through the book of Romans is that we come to the place to be so much like Jesus that we encounter God. You know why the tens of thousands followed Jesus? Because he loved them and they got hope. For their situation. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much. God wants us to come and, and to be that church that loves without hypocrisy. That we're not, it's not scripted. It's something in here. It's from God Himself. And I dwell on the grace of God that enables me to do it so I can love you without hypocrisy. It's not an act. That I can hate what is evil so I can help you out of that. And you can do that with me. That we're going to cling to what is good so we can be that light to this world. That we can love each other, our brothers and sisters, with a love that's tender and affectionate. That the people in this world is going to know that we're His disciples because of that love. That we can honor one another. That we prefer each other more than ourselves. So we can be agents of hope that bring people as an avenue to encounter God. It's all about encountering God. Amen? My hope is, my prayer, is that when people come in this place, this place is filled with people like that. That when people have lost hope and lost everything, that they can come in here and gain Jesus. Amen? And be changed and have an encounter. When they meet you at a coffee shop, because you looked at them and you saw something that's in them that God wants to do and the Holy Spirit led you to pray for them, that they're going to encounter God because you're a hope dealer. Amen? And you're doing this not in your own righteousness, not in your own ability, but you plugged into the grace of God because of your time of worship, 
and encountering God yourself, going before the throne of God and receiving something greater than you can ever imagine. Let's be that. Amen? Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes.